Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. Hey, this is Peyton Jones. And this is going to be one of the best podcasts you ever heard or ripped off from us for your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right out of the gate, baby. Right out of the gate. Straight out of the gate. <laughs> <laughs> and they're neck and neck. <laughs> you guys, you guys, you don't understand it. I know that this is going to be like one of our best podcasts ever because Peyton and I were going off in the four minutes we had before the podcast even started and it all started with me saying just so you know i'm not gonna rip on such and such denomination <laughs> i told him he goes just to put your mind at ease and i said because i'm going off baby no, i'm really scared if that's how you're kicking off our conversation i'm really scared now what's coming i won't mention their name that's what uh, i should have uh, said uh, i won't mention their name Dude, this has been a crazy week i think for both of us yeah, the denomination that shall not be named. That's well, that was just funny. Okay, so so guys, here's what happened, man. I get this uh I get this message. So I have this widget. You guys might have seen it on some of our websites where people can live chat with us during certain hours. And so when those live chats come in, they come into me, obviously, because Peyton's not gonna lift a finger. I, I didn't even know about them. No joke. Well, it doesn't surprise me that you don't read the magazine. You don't go to the website. It's you're, you're basically just you're, you're for looks. And I read the magazine this week. It looks so good. It is. It, it's a good magazine. It's because you wrote the publisher note, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, that one hasn't gone live yet. Has yeah, it? it went live last night. Oh, oh, okay. So it, it, here's the thing, though. The jump school digital format is off 
the change. Are you talking about the jump school uh, Oh, my issue? gosh. A special issue, which is jump school, the study guide, <laughs> and the videos into it. Amazing. Thank, thank you for clarifying. It's jump school, the study guide. Ju- not to be confused with jump school, the musical. Or jump school, the toothbrush. Or the film. Because there's, I mean, everything is jump school. <laughs> <laughs> or jump school the halftime show all right so anyway i get this um i get this this text in on the chat feature and uh this guy's like yeah you guys charge my credit card and i didn't order anything from you and he's on uh he's on my my uh, marketing website right so i go what was the charge for because i like immediately know what it is i'm like okay this is so uh jump school it just doesn't recognize the name, even though the receipt says, by the way, it's going to say Big Guns Marketing on it. And so he goes, oh, it's for $5.99. And so I go, okay, so you didn't order uh, Jump School, the DVD, to be shipped to you? And it takes like five minutes. He goes, oh, I guess that's what it's for. And I'm like, okay, cool, yeah, and, you know, just uh, it, it's Jump School. And if you, uh, you know, how many questions later or whatever, just uh, – you know, text me or whatever. I, I don't even remember what I said, but it was just, all right, it's cool. So then like a few minutes later, I get a text back in and this guy is like going off on me and he's like, you know what? In fact, I, I just got to read it. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's classic. So here's what he texts in. He says, to be honest, it's pretty weird to deal with a totally secular marketing company for church planning workshop. I called the phone number and received a message as to how awesome it would be to get started with coaching sessions. Big disservice to the name of Jesus Christ. To be honest, I shudder to think of the secular methods that may be promoted in the videos as to how to reach the world for Jesus. I may be wrong. Hope I am. (laughs) I was just like, well, you are wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Pete's classic response. Well, you are wrong. It was like, are you seriously? I mean, like. You haven't seen the videos. The only way he found that website is he probably Googled Big Guns Marketing because the phone number that should be showing up on people's credit cards, you know, like when you, when you have a, a charge, basically is a call-in number that says, hey, you've, you've ch- called in because you got a charge on your credit card for Big Guns Marketing. You don't recognize who that is. Well, it could be Church Planner Magazine, Jump School. Yeah. You know, these are Pete Mitchell companies. Because that's that's normally what happens. We were like, they know Pete Mitchell. They don't know my company. So since the charges happened this week, he hasn't even gotten a statement yet, right? So he was just like checking his bank account or whatever and saw it on there. And I was like, dude, seriously? Like, you're saying that, that first of all, it's a totally secular marketing company. Okay, you don't know anything about anything because that's saying Pete Mitchell is a totally secular person. Because I am the marketing company, right? There's yeah, not how, like it's how you make your your living. Yeah, there's, it, it's there's really, nothing else. It's just me. It's a funny perspective that you, as a marketer, can't do anything for Jesus. It's kind of the reason why the church is the way it is right now. Is it's the, that idea that you have to be a full time vocational minister to do anything for Jesus. It's why we're in the mess we're in. What's One funny is he probably doesn't realize reasons. that. Every uh, Christian publisher is owned by a secular company. It is indeed. I mean, does he not realize that? But it was funny. It, it was like so like out of left field. I just go, I know what denomination he's with. <laughs> and I look him up and I'm like, I knew it. 
I, I knew yeah. what denomination he was with because that is so that denomination. Just I'm going to come down on you and I don't even know the first thing about you. The first thing. So I was I was. Yeah, I, I was, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not mad at him or anything. I just think he's a product of of his environment. But but the reality is, you know, I kind of uh, looking at it, I remember just thinking, man, you know, like I know. I remember when I used to first talk to you and I would just hear money going ching, 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 every minute I was talking to you. I'd be really conscious. Like for this dude, time is money. And I was a little bit offended for you because I'm like, man, if this guy only knew how much time you invested into church planners for nothing, like you still haven't made a dime. But see, I that's mean, that was like my thinking was he's such an idiot. He knows nothing about the situation. He doesn't know that we've been doing this for years have yet to make a dollar off of it as profit. Like if we counted up how much money we actually spent on all this stuff versus <laughs> the money we brought in, even from our, our sponsors, it's, it's not even close to being equal. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. But no, he's just gotta, he's just gotta, you know, it's, he, he's smarter than the rest of us. And, and he wants to call me out for doing a, a disservice to Jesus. I think you need to play the Flanders uh, <laughs> soundbite right now. I gotta, where is it, man? Calm down, Italy, 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 Italy. They did their best, shoddily, Italy, Italy, Italy. Gotta be nice, hostility, Italy, Italy, Italy. Oh, hell, Italy, ding, dog, crap. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What's funny is actually this is what he said to me afterwards. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Oh. <laughs> I can't handle the truth. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, there's two things you should never do. Number one, don't make Pete mad. Oh, my God. Number gosh. two, don't take away Peyton's Pete. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You know what's funny, man? I had this conversation. All right. So last week I was at a, a conference. And um, the, la the last three days I was at a conference, and it was in San Diego. In fact, I stopped by your house on my way down there. So you, you why don't. Did, why didn't you let me know? Why didn't you knock? Um, we went to islands together and you had the soda pop. <laughs> yeah, it's my poison these days. <laughs> that was very funny. The lady's like looking at you. You, you want a what? You're sitting uh, at the uh, bar and you want a what? Uh, I have a, uh, let's make it a diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, dude. Sad insult to injury, ma'am. I'll have a diet Coke at the bar, please. So I wanted to get good seats for this conference and the doors opened at eight and the conference starts at nine. Right. So I'm like, okay, I got to be there, you know, shortly after eight. Cause I don't want to be like sitting in the back. It's a huge conference. So the night before they, you got those little things in your room where you can like have breakfast delivered to your room. Right. You know, and you just mark yeah. on there. I want, you know, an, an omelet and give me orange juice and coffee and all that stuff. Right. So I fill it out and I put on there to, to bring my breakfast between 730 and 745. Stick it on the door. I want to make sure that they get this right. Because I'm like, I, I, I want my breakfast before I go. So this particular hotel, great system that they've got because they've got a texting system. You can text to them. Anything you got, problems, whatever. And so, in fact, how I communicated with them all week was via text. It was it was awesome. I loved it. 
So I text them. I'm like, hey, you know what? Uh, I just want to make sure you're going to have housekeeping or whoever come by and get my order because I got to have my breakfast before I go to this meeting. So like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, just leave it out there. Housekeeping will come get it. So I wake up in the morning and I've got a little uh, balcony overlooking the bay. Gorgeous view. I mean, like unbelievable view. So I'm sitting out there on the balcony and this is, this is where it's to me, it gets funny. I don't know if you're going to find this funny. I'm sitting out on the balcony and I'm doing a little bit of Bible reading. I'm praying a little bit, you know, I'm like, you know, God, you know, how, how do you want to use me today? And, uh, and you know, I'm doing my Bible reading seven 30 comes along. I get a, a phone call from housekeeping. Oh, Hey, you know, we just want to make sure we got the right breakfast for you. You know, did you want the omelet or did you want the the eggs or whatever? And I'm thinking, dude, you guys are supposed to be delivering this in like 30 seconds. So I'm like, okay, you know, I wanted the omelet. 7:45 comes and goes no breakfast. Eight o'clock comes no breakfast. And at this point I'm like ticked because I'm supposed to be down there at eight o'clock and I'm like, all right, I got to go. So I literally, I call him up and I'm like, look, I ordered breakfast. It's supposed to be here between 7.30 and 7.45. It's five minutes after eight. I got to go. So cancel that. Oh, we're sorry about that, Mr. Mitchell. And I go, don't let it happen again. Right. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I was, I, I was talking about it at lunch. I was like, how did this happen? I went from. I'm out there enjoying the bay, reading my Bible, praying to God to redline. Like I am just, where's my breakfast? Did you really say that on the phone? Don't let it happen. Yes, I did. And what was worse is they put it on my bill anyway. And I'm like ripping them a new one via text. I'm like, because that morning they, they send me a text and they go, how's your experience? A one being not so good, five being great. And I'm like, one. (laughs) <laughs> you're like negative four I'm like where's my breakfast man i just and i'm talking about with some friends at lunch i'm like dude how did this happen i went from reading the bible to redline in like no time flat and that's just oh that's that's just the way i work sometimes man i, I can go from that's like the way everybody works everybody everybody deals with those tendencies and i think um you plan a am i going back to myself no not on my end Okay. I'm echoing back to myself. That's weird. Mm. I don't know what's going on. But uh, everybody deals with that, man. Literally, um, you know, this is a thing. I I was just sitting here listening to you talk, and I was thinking, man, there's probably not many podcasts where you get past the jokes and you get past the Christian talk. And someone just talks about, hey, this is what really happens. I think – I think that's, you know, pastors, there are times, man, where, uh, I, I used to like how Mark Driscoll goes, when you call me at three, 3 a.m., I'm not your pastor. He goes, stupid train. <laughs> I just leave it on there. I don't even mute it. Of course. So, uh, you know, Mark Driscoll said, I'm not your pastor at 3 a.m. I'm, I'm not even a Christian at that, at that hour of the morning. You know, and, and so the reality is, you know, this is how we feel. Kind of like Jerry Maguire, the things we think and do not say. You know, this is actually the words that I had for uh, for housekeeping. Don't make me destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think those kinds of things, you know, we can always talk about things that make us look like, oh, I didn't understand or I struggle. But you're basically sharing things that make you look like a jerk. 
And we don't do that a lot. And so people walk around. Well, people, people who know me know I pretty much live my life as a jerk. And <laughs> if they happen to catch the moments where I'm not a jerk, they actually caught me on a, a good moment. I can't even There's say a good day. There's some rays of sunshine that, 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 that shine through occasionally. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. It was just – it was like one of those weeks. Every Everything that could go wrong is going wrong. I mean, I, I got a big event coming up <laughs> next week. I got 250 paid participants, and we really need like another two weeks to get ready. And it's on Tuesday, and today's Friday. So oh, fun, man. Yeah, it's I I don't know what's going on, man. It's crazy. Well, yeah, you know, um, it again, like I said, it's one of those things where um, you know, we got to be real about this stuff. That's that's what I love about the Bible, man. Is it? It's got all the stuff where it shows people being jerks, you know, it shows people getting stuff wrong. It shows Moses getting angry at the people and going, I hate these people. It shows, uh, he says to God, why do you hate me that you put me with these people? Kill me now. He says, <laughs> you Just gotta love me. that. Yeah. Why do you hate me so much that you put me with Peyton? <laughs> and, and if you think about it, every leadership conference you ever been to, every pastor's conference, every webinar, if the if the leader gets up there and talks about real struggles, he's hands down the best best speaker there. Hands down, because everyone's gonna connect and relate with him. And guys, it's the same with the church plants, you know. People are coming in, they don't got it together, man. That's that's where the Holy Spirit really opens up. You you start being real, it's like AA. You start being who you really are. It glorifies God. I'm not saying like you just open up like this Pandora's box of carnality on everyone, but what I am saying is you just you just be the real you and show yourself as a person who needs Jesus and stop trying to impress people. Yeah, you know it's uh, very interesting because one of the speakers we had at this event is uh, a guy by the name of Marcus Lemonis who is the host of a TV show called The Prophet, and it's uh, not a biblical prophet. It's a you know, uh, financial prophet, just to be clear on that. It's on yeah, CNBC. he's going to hell. He's a marketer. I don't, well, he might be going to hell, but if he is, it's... Very disappointed, Pete, that you as a Christian man would listen to a secular marketer speak. He's not a marketer. Oh. No, he, oh, okay. he owns Camping World. He's, he's a billionaire. You, you missed my joke, huh? Yeah. Well, he I, owns Camping World? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's how that he made his billion. So all these. It doesn't say that on the show. It doesn't go. Marcus owns camping world. Well, has, a couple uh, of the episodes he does bring in camping world and, and he'll have some of the companies that he's thinking about investing in, um, you know, do stuff for camping. It sounds world. better to say he's an entrepreneurial troubleshooter and guru than to say I'm the owner of camper camping world. Why? He's a billionaire. Well, I know, but it just doesn't sound it's it's better if he goes, Hi, I'm Marcus Mont, I'm a billionaire and an entrepreneurial troubleshooter, than to go, Hi, I'm Marcus at a cocktail party. Um, I own Camping World. You I just know it's true. Uh, billionaires don't go to cocktail parties. They're usually too busy doing stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. Yeah. I it's think you're trying to make something funny and you're so far out of your element that you're just not getting it. See, I'm about ready to go redline on you. No, I'm no, gonna go redline. No, no, he goes to the donut shop. I'm gonna go redline. <laughs> okay. Anyway, here's what my point Belly was up. with Marcus is he gets up there and it, it was it was it was more like a uh, an intervention than it was a a seminar because he gets up there and he's talking about being vulnerable 
and he's he's being very vulnerable. He goes, most people don't know this about me. And he goes into you know all these crazy things that have happened in his life. And he goes, my business life, I got things together. He goes, my personal life, it's a wreck. I mean, he was molested as a child. He was adopted at eight. So I mean, I mean, that's not like he was adopted when he was a baby. He was adopted at eight. Wow. So I mean, he went through a lot. He was born in, in yeah. Lebanon and um and he was always awkward and he he was like very vulnerable. And his point was you really want to connect with people, so you gotta be vulnerable. And so he had people get up from the audience and he would keep wow. digging until they finally got vulnerable and you know, wow, let the cat out of the bag of what was going on in their lives. And it was it was crazy because it's not what you would expect from somebody who's brought in to speak to, you know. 1100 people on um on business but that's what he's talking about he's like guys i'm 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 gonna share with you what it really means to to uh to get business and it has more to do with being vulnerable and i the whole time i'm sitting there watching that going this is this is exactly what uh great pastors who connect do Mm. they're vulnerable like right when they get up there and they start talking it's not let me tell you what you ought to be doing it's look my life is a wreck yeah. And this is what I've learned from that. And, you know, this is how God's helped me through this stuff. But they're not up there going, I got it all together. Yeah. So much of church right now is is running a show. You know, you become like the the game show host, you know, or the or the the guy in the middle of the three ring circus with the top hat, you know. You become the circus master. And uh, you know, real church is a guy just Pointing to Jesus, man, John the Baptist, you know, point to the way, um, preach the way and get out of the way. You know, you're not the way, you know, they, they asked him, are you the Christ? He confessed, I am not, you know, I mean, that, that's basically the heart of any ministry that wants to lead people to Jesus. You're basically getting out of the way and pointing to Christ. And one of the ways you do that is by being vulnerable. And, um, it's, it's cool, man, because, that's that's powerful. I don't I don't know that I've even seen what he did uh, happen in church, you know, except for accounts of revival, where when the spirit starts moving, people say, you know what, hey, so and so, they have this prayer meeting, and somebody says, hey, man, I've had all this bitterness in my heart, and need to get it right, or someone confesses to cheating, or you know, I mean, all that kind of stuff happens, but. Um, yeah, I think vulnerability, just just coming clean and being real, that's uh, that's a sweet spot. When I first planted Pillar Church, um, I was in such a bad place emotionally. Um, I was just raw, and I felt God had betrayed me, and I felt God owed me something. That that was the weird thing, but you get that way sometimes. And um, and and I was just in a dark place. I was, and I would tell my team. Because I didn't want to take it. I kept telling him, look, I don't want to bleed this thing. So here's here's my buddy, Yan. He's going to take it when I'm gone. And I just felt so free to just be me and not, not have to uh, I have to impress anybody. I think when ministry becomes about impressing people, we have a lot of assumptions, a lot of misinformation. We start running church. Um, we, we do. You can go into like show mode. When the service starts, if you're going into show mode, you're missing it. And the Holy Spirit is, I'm, I'm just telling you, you can manipulate people. You can get people to feel all kinds of different emotions. You can make them sad. You can tell stories that inspire them. You can get them excited. You can whoop it up a bit. 
um, kind of like football coach in the locker room. You can do a lot of things to people emotionally, but the one thing you cannot do is bring the presence of God in, in, into a room. And I've just found that the number one way to experience the presence of God is to elevate grace. And the way that you elevate grace is by de-elevating self mm. and, you know, uh, sharing, sharing who you really are. Mm. So, well, I know this is supposed to be smack talk, so we, we it should. is, but can I, can I say one more thing? Yeah, go for it, man. In, in all seriousness. Um, so I'll never forget the, the small group that we had once where, um, our small groups were so incredibly good in Wales. And you have to understand something the the Celts, they, they're not like the British where they're super reserved. Um, the Celtic peoples, the Irish, the Scottish, all that, they're deep. Uh, Lloyd Jones used to say that, that they take a while. You can stimulate their emotions very easily. And the English would judge them and say, Oh, you know, the Welsh, they, you know, they're so emotional. But he says to really penetrate the core of their being takes time for any Celt to really get them to change. It, it's, it's different. And so he said, so, um, anyways, we, we were in these groups and it really did take time. And I watched after we, the church was up and running for a year and we were doing our cogs. They were called communities of grace. Again, I'm being as real as I can be in these things. I'm sharing with them my weakness, my wife and I, we would share any marital problems we had, you know, we were just super real. And uh, of course it, it always helps when you got a prophet in, in your midst, a prophetic leader, cause he kind of, <laughs> he knows stuff anyways, but um, without freaking everyone out that that was just, I mean, shoot, man, I, before we ever told anyone we were dealing with infertility he comes up and prays for us and, there were times we'd be praying, he'd be like, hey, so-and-so's in adultery. We need to go talk to them. And sure enough, you know. But anyways, all that to say, um, I can remember these groups being so sweet. And I was worried that they weren't going to be able to mix it up. And they would just get locked onto like the 10 people they were in a group with. So I told them, I said, hey, in, in about a month, we're going to change over. And that went down like a lead balloon. No one was having that. They're like, no, no, my group, my, I've never had a group like this. And I said, well, guys, here's the deal. Imagine in a church our size, we're about 125 people. I said, look, imagine in this church that you are going to cycle through over the next few years a number of these. Now, rather than being really tight with 10 people, you're going to be tight next year with 20 people. And the year after that, you're going to be tight with 30 people. And the year after that, 40 people. And so they started getting the picture. But anyways, I remember when we first started um, doing that new group, the first night, everyone would just sat there like a wallflower. You know, they weren't opening up. Second night, not much better. You know, a little more, a little bit more loose, you know, a little, little bit more small talk. Third week, nothing. It was the sixth week that we did the changeover. This woman, and it always starts with one person. This one woman, she starts crying. And I've mentioned this so many times, but she, uh, she starts crying and she says, you know, I, I really need prayer. I'm, uh, I'm on antidepressants. They don't seem to be working. Um, I, I, I need my, uh, I need my, um, I, I need help. You know, I need prayer. I don't know what's going to do it because I get so mad. I start hitting my kids and, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not abusing them in the sense where like, 
I'm, I'm, you know, hitting them like more than a parent would normally. But she says, I don't want to hit my kids at all. Number one, I, I'm not a big person who believes in physical discipline. And number two, she goes, I'm really angry when I'm doing mm-hmm. it. And she goes, and I'm worried one day I'm going to hit, hurt my kids. And I, that's the last thing I want to do. But there's so much rage and anger inside of me right now. And the cool thing was we can tell the stories about, you know, I went through this and I was in a really dark place. And then as long as you're not there, everyone's cool with it. But if you're still there, no one knows how to deal with you. And if someone stands up and gives a testimony of what Jesus did a week ago, everyone claps. But if someone stands up and shares what this woman shared in church, there's this awkward silence like, Mm. oh, crap. What do, that's that's reality. What do we what do we do with that right now? And uh, so, anyways, she shared that, and I swear to you, it was like someone took a lever and opened the dam, and like all of this stuff came out of the sluice gate. Man, it they just went down the line. Every single one of them started crying, and everyone started just gushing out their problems. And I just remember sitting back, and I literally smiled. And I just, I I was like, there it is. There it is. That's how these guys become best friends right now, right here. It begins tonight. And you know what happened a year later when we told the groups they had to move on? They said the same thing. No, I've never had a group like this. (laughs) It's because people were being real. Mm. Interesting, man. AA gets this. They get that if you're real and you start with confession, that's why they have it. My name is uh, Peyton Jones. I'm a recovering alcoholic. Um, They know that right away it equals the playing field. If you created an atmosphere that equaled the playing field, then uh, the life change happens when people drop the mask. And funny enough, Pete, it's not too far from our uh, our, our topic today. Our topic today is creating uh, a value-driven culture in your church plan. Say my name. (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't sure what to say right then. <laughs> well, before we get into our actual topic. Welcome, you are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by Mogiv. M-O-G-I-V. Dot com forward slash I'm jealous of Yoda since I did him last week. I'm like, I could do Yoda. I, I can't do M-O-G-I-V, but I can do... This week's episode. Uh, no, that one sucked. No, yeah, you you not you don't have it this morning. I don't. Not it's you're, true. You're, I don't know. Maybe not enough phlegm in the back of the throat. I don't, I don't know. But you don't have it. I think I got too much. I actually, I actually, my throat's there's sickness in my house right now. My throat's bugging me a lot mm, right now. Well, that's not good. Well, hey guys, uh, you've heard us talk about Mogiv before, and we're going to talk about him again because some of you are not using them. And I know this because I've been checking your websites. That's right. Pete's the secret donor. And, He's looking. And I know one church pastor who's not going to get a dime out of me. Oh, wait. Sorry. That was me going back to Redline. Because I'm totally secular, man. Anyway. it's Pete, it's what we would expect from someone like you. What? Uh, a non-clergy person. I, I a, a am ordained. Let's not forget. individual like yourself. I got ordained on the internet. I can marry people in the state of California. Uh, Pete, was it a secular company that ordained you? Because uh, that makes your ordination uh, secular. It was totally secular. (laughs) (laughs) 
there's just no way around that one. That that was that was a secular. Well, anyway, That's back awesome. to, back to our MoGiv so cool. uh, our MoGiv blurb. You can only marry secular people now. I don't think anyone who setting. was saved would want me to do their wedding. I mean, I know those Christians who won't bake cakes for gay people. Yeah, they can't do any cake at a wedding you you officiate at. Well, I think it has to be a secular baker. I think it would be pretty safe to say that uh, I won't be doing anybody's wedding. I'm just (laughs) going to throw that out there. Pretty safe on that one. Unless I turn it into a business. Will you do my funeral? Oh, dude, I'll totally speak at your funeral. Oh, will you do it though? Like, will you officiate? Because that would be like, as a dead person, that would make me super happy. To what? Do your funeral? To speak yeah, at for it? you to do my funeral, yeah, dude. Awesome. See, here's the thing: at your funeral, you're gonna have like a long line <laughs> of like all these holy people who are gonna come down and like speak, and then they would be like, "Oh yeah, we got to give Pete thirty seconds because he used to do this podcast with his Yahoo." <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's gonna be like you're gonna have Bill, Don the Baptist, uh, Mac Lake. You're gonna have like everyone come and and everyone's gonna be like, oh wow, this is the who's who of pastors. How and high Pete, can I aim for speakers at my funeral? Obviously, we know Rick Rick Warren's way out of my league. Yeah, he's not coming. Not at this no. point in your life. He's he's not coming. You might get Derwin Gray. I mean, and maybe JD Greer. He I, is a know, listener of the podcast. I personally, I like JD Greer. You know who would be really cool? I do too. Alex Early. I'm not kidding, man. I loved his his interview. His interview was one of the best. Yeah, his book was good. Just to give him a shout out again, Alex Early. Um, I mean, and uh, we totally ruined the MoGiv commercial. <laughs> oh, 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 dope MoGiv. <laughs> Bottom line, uh, guys. Church. Go get MoGiv.com for your online and text based giving solution. They will take care of all of that for you. And we use it at our church. You use it at New Breed. I don't know why yep. people aren't using it. Use it. Hey, hands down, guys. It's the easiest. They also had like a 90-day coupon. I don't know if it's still going on. It was 90 days free if you had your 501c3. And uh, they are the coolest. Seriously, they just uh, this morning updated their dashboard. Um, they are by far the easiest to use um, for for like online uh, check-in, tracking your funds, reports, all that stuff. But they've just revamped it and made it even better so i'm i'm a huge believer if if they were not a sponsor the way i found them was i signed up to them before they were a sponsor and uh, guys we can honestly say to you if something comes through us on sponsorship it's because we like it yeah pretty much yeah or they give us a lot of money it's one or the other amounts of money yeah (laughs) then it doesn't matter if we like them we they're just paying us big amounts of money. They're but paying us big amounts of money. That problem yet? We're in the hole so bad on this whole thing for this totally <laughs> secular company that uh, you got tons of money. We'll, we'll bring you in. Yeah, you know what, Pete? You should be getting secular companies. We should be doing like uh, a Jenny Craig. Maybe I can ads. get Foursquare. Um, they do a lot of podcast commercials. Yeah. Um, who else? Um, Audible.com used to do Audible.com commercials. Well, we can actually, if you want to get some uh, Audible, go to audibletrial.com forward slash CPM. Nice. Did you like how I set that up? I did. That was good. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, let's let's actually get on with our topic. Oh, okay. Because we we are like well over on time. Uh, All right. Doc, set it up. Oh. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. 
It's a good thing you put Doc on because I I wasn't done. I was like I was still going to keep going. I know I'm cutting you uh, off. We're 34 minutes in, so you know. Yeah. Okay. So today, guys, what we want to talk about is creating a value uh, based culture, value driven culture in your church plant. And, uh, you know, I guess in a way, Pete, we kind of started this conversation. I mean, that really is what we're talking about. And so here's the deal. I, I want to give credit where credit is due on this, right? Um, maybe unlike other podcasts that rip off ideas and don't say where they got them from, um, I would like to start off by saying I, I read a book. This goes back to Mac Lake. A lot of you guys know that um, part of the Multiply team with a guy named Mac Lake Funny thing is, is Mac isn't like super popular, but everybody knows him, right? Everybody in the church planning world seems, at least people that are movers and shakers, they know Mac. And right now I would say that Mac is my personal mentor. Um, he's just a, a leader par excellence. He's also my boss, which makes it, you know, pretty cool, but he's the best boss I've ever had. Um, he wouldn't say he's a boss. He'd be kind of like Paul about it and say, no, no, Peyton's my fellow, my, you know, my, my, my fellow worker, my labor in the, in the gospel together. And, and that's how it feels. It feels like you're serving with a brother, but he is an incredible leader. And I have had the privilege and pleasure of working through the multiply material that he put together, um, working with, uh, training trainers in this stuff for Nam. What it is, and let me just tell you, give you some context, because I think all of you want to check it out. I don't get anything for this. I don't get kudos. I don't run off to Mac and say, hey, by the way, I plugged your thing. Literally, guys, if you're looking to get a church planner assessment that's not bogus, so you do these online assessments. Pete and I have said this before. Most of those are worthless. They're not really going to assess you. But what Mac does is he puts together a team of 10 to 12 people you go for two days with your spouse and your sending pastor. Um, it costs about 1200 bucks if you're not with NAM. If you're with NAM, it's free. But uh, if you're not, um, you go and you do this thing. And they've got a panel of like licensed marriage and family therapists that, that, that interview you as a couple. You got to pitch your vision in front of an audience. They do it like Shark Tank. Um, you, uh, you have to preach. And they, they kind of talk to you and interview you afterwards um, to, to just see, are you, do you have a gifting here? Do you understand that, that that's going to be a big part of reaching people? Um, but anyways, this thing goes on for, for a, few, uh, a few days. And then afterwards, a panel reviews you. So you might be really strong in certain areas, but, but really weak in others. Anyways, uh, we're going to have Mac on Hardcore coming up here where he'll talk a little bit more about it. But the reality is um, you get a six-month training afterwards um, that goes along with it. And one of the things that that really has been, for me, the great takeaway is it has completely revolutionized the way that I do vision casting and train guys how to pitch vision for core teams and uh, how to um, really nail down their own vision. What am I called to do? And, and that is because Mac has in there a book by a gentleman by the name of Will Mancini. So you might have heard of Will. Uh, maybe you've just heard his name. You don't really know what he does. He works for Oxano and he helps churches nail down what their vision is. And um, he wrote a book. He's written many books, but the book that he wrote that I want to just kind of uh, pull some stuff out of today is called 
uh, Church Unique. And what the book does, you you have to get this book. Um, If you're talking about like, you know, casting vision, your core team, or even recruiting a core team, and you're going to tell them, hey, I think you should come with me. Or you as a leadership of a core team are nailing down your vision. You need to read this book. You need to listen to what he's saying. It is completely different. I will tell you right now from anything out there in the church planning world. Um, where you will find people talking about this stuff is in the business world. Now, don't get all Alaska uh, on us about this, right? Um, Did I mention that dude was from Alaska? No, you didn't, but now the cat's out of the bag. So we we now call that don't get all Alaska on us, okay? I just coined a phrase. <laughs> oh, I love it. Go on, say the denomination. You know you want to. <laughs> Give in to your anger. <laughs> I can feel your anger. So, so here's the deal. Um, it, you know, uh, understand that this is this is what he does. He starts off and says, "Your church is unique. If you're called into a neighborhood with a, you're in a unique neighborhood. You're with a unique set of people, and you have a unique set of giftings and passions. Um, these things all come together." And they make your church unique. And he says, and the question that many churches fail to ask is what can my church do or what can our church do better than a thousand other churches? And so he he says, if you can answer that question, you've probably identified what's known as your kingdom concept. Why have I been born at this time in this location um, to do this mission. And it's a kingdom concept. What is, what, how is Jesus wanting me to advance his kingdom here today? And it's, it's fascinating. And so what he does is he, he basically draws three circles. Uh, and you've, you've seen like a Venn diagram where you got the three interconnected circles where they overlap in the middle and it makes a little, little, uh, little symbol. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's right. got a little triangle in the middle. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful Pete um, so so these three circles each circle represents um, something like one circle is your local predicament you know so hold on stupid train my local predicament is I have a noisy train you really do and that thing is I, I so really close do. to your house yeah that guy hates me so so what you do is you you nail down your local predicament. And of course, you've seen the trends on, you know, church planner newsletters and church planning videos. Basically, it starts off like this. We're going to this place. This place is a crap hole. This place needs a church because it's a crap hole. That's why you should come with us and pray for us and give to us so we can go to the crap hole and bring Jesus there. That's pretty much the pitch, right? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Guaranteed to get a laugh every time, Pete. And so what happens is that's your local predicament. It's it's there's a need there. Then the other circle represents um, your uh, your your collective potential. That means that you have a bunch of people who are there, and they're basically saying, "Can you hear me, Pete?" Yep. My computer started to shut down on me. So they're basically saying, hey, what giftings do we have? What resources do we have? Um, you know, what are we actually able to do? What's realistic? There's a need here, but we can't meet all the needs. Who are we? You know, wh- what do we have with us? Then lastly, 
Um, the last circle is what's known as your apostolic esprit. And the apostolic esprit uh, has to do with your passion. What are we as a team passionate about? What do we want to see? And so where all three of those things interconnect, um, then that's your sweet spot. That is your kingdom concept. That's what you can do better than a thousand other churches. And so what's amazing is looking at, you know, that, that whole deal there. Um, I had a, a, a trainer that I was training yesterday and as I took him through it, he's got an awesome church plan. Things like grown, um, through mission, through him being on mission up to about 800 people in just over a year. And, uh, what, what he does, he does this thing called kids unleashed. He took it from a church in Texas. Um, and they do for like six weeks, free basketball, free karate, free this, free that. And they do it as a, as a service to the community. So one of the exercises was, look, if the mayor comes to you and asks you to feed homeless people, um, you know, how, how does that fit in? And he, he basically, he, he passed the test. It was like Willy Wonka where he, he had to hand the everlasting gobstopper back at the end to inherit the kingdom. That's what happened. He had one of those, you know, Charlie Bucket moments where he, 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 he won, you know, um, he won the internet that day. He basically came and said, look, um, I'd have to tell the mayor, look, if we did that, that would stop the other cool stuff we're doing that we're uniquely good at. And he said, so I would pitch to him church, uh, um, kids unleashed. And I would tell him that's how we're reaching the community. And if you got poor families, homeless families, he goes, there's a homeless shelter for families right down the road. We totally will help start a program to funnel them into this thing. And, um, and it was beautiful. And so knowing your kingdom concept is going to keep you um, focused on what you need to be focused on. Well, then moving on from there, there's this thing that he brings up called a vision frame. And the vision frame, I, I'm not going to go into that. I'll let Will do that. Um, but, but here's the deal. Your vision frame tells you things like, you know, what are our measures, which means how do we know when we're successful? So you know how it happens. You plan a church. You want to be that church that reaches young families. And suddenly you're just taking who you can get. And the church starts kind of bending and, and molding and shaping and becoming this thing that's like miles away from what you originally put down and pitched to your core team. Hey, this is what we're going to do. And so, for example, one of the guys yesterday is like, hey, um, we feel like we're failing in this area because we say church isn't a place you go to. This is one of our values. Our value is church isn't a place you go to. It's a family you belong to. And we're failing because we feel like we, ha we, we have some small groups, but that's where you really become a family. And so they were able to measure how well they were doing by their values. And that's what we're talking about today is your values need to be something that you constantly go back to. And so this was, this was a whole like, you know, uh, module lesson, whatever you want to call it of the training that I was doing with Nam. Um, and it was just mind blowing. It, it really was powerful for me. Because I think what happens, I mean, I'm, I'm stubborn, so I tend to stick to our values. I, the church can be, you know, uh, uh, the church can be struggling. As long as we're holding to our values, I'm good, right? So I'm, I'm stubborn and tenacious on values. But I could, I could so easily see as I was working through it with these guys that uh, 
it's a big temptation for church planners to change the values so that they hit a measure of success that's defined by somebody else. So for example, it always defaults back to numbers. So I'm going to, if I can get more numbers this way, that's what we will do. And that's the danger. Rather than saying, well, you know what? That's not what God called us to do here. It's not about numbers for us. So for Refuge Long Beach, I, I basically told them, hey, this is how the, our value is to keep, once we reach a certain size, if we reach about 130 people, we break off 30 people. It doesn't even have to be that we get up. But right when we feel, hey, we've hit a certain number where we can break off, we break off and we start a new one. And that's a core value. And I said, you know, we probably realistically have a lot more people. So they had like 125, 130 last week. That was a huge day. Might have been the biggest day we've ever had at Refuge Long Beach. And uh, the the reality is that, um, you know, you look at that and you think, well, that's not that big. But our values have been, we have been able to plant out a number of churches in four years as a result of doing that. And to me, I, I sit back and say we're successful because we've been, and those churches are growing. So Charlie's church is nearing 100. Um you know, Hector Moore, I don't know, his is, um, Rubens is small because it's in the projects. Um, Stanton, which just launched, um, is doing really well. Um, I don't know what their numbers are up to, but they're seeing people saved every week. So my metrics for success are based on different values. And if your value is to become a mega church, then you got a problem. But what if I want to be a mega church? Well, it, that's okay, but if okay, th- this what? is what I'm saying. Okay, let me rephrase that. Th- that was stated a little bit wrong. What? If you're if if you're a church like us, and you're in the hood, <laughs> or you're in Stanton, or you're in a lot of the places where we plant, and your value is to get a bunch of people, like that's the goal for you to is to have a bunch of butts and seats, then you got a problem. Because that's not, for, for us, we would look at those three circles and we would say, well, that's not really our local predicament. Our environment, our neighborhood isn't really suited to that. And number two, the collective potential we have, I mean, let's face it, Pete, when we gain people, <laughs> more people to feed, they're not mega church builders. Come on, right? Yeah. They're not, they're not, they're not entrepreneurials. They're not businessmen. They're not, you know, if you want to build a big machine and I'm not calling all big churches machines, but I'm saying there's some skill. Talk to anyone who's planted a church. It becomes a mega church. Talk to Carl Vader's man for Pete's sake. And once it hits a certain number, once you get past a few hundred people, it has to run like a business. And so for us, we keep breaking off. I, I told someone the other day, I said, you know, when when with Refuge Long Beach, we always feel like a church plant because we're always scaling our numbers back and doing the whole Gideon thing, like going back down to the water and saying, hey, let's send all these people off and now let's start all over again. And for some people, they get addicted to that. For other people, they're like, you know what? I, I just wanted this thing to like arrive finally. And But with us, man, we're like a little oscillating universe. We're big, we're small, we're big, we're small. 
because we keep cutting off core teams and sending some of our best out on a regular basis. Mm. You know, I feel you, Doug. So, Pete, I mean, you know, being that you're a completely secularized individual and all, um, not that your opinion would matter being secular. Apparently, uh, it does not. What, what, I'm would, sure what secular insight would you be able to give to uh, clerical people, uh, men of the clergy, men of the cloth, um, you know, that sort of thing? I don't understand what the question is. <laughs> it, it, what, how does this look in a business, a values-driven business? What does that mean? A values-driven company. You know, that's a tough question in business because business is not about helping the community. Right. It's about making money. Well, it's about most small businesses are about creating an income stream for the owners. Right? It's 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 creating an income stream. It's not even about making money so much as like they don't want to go get a regular job, so they started their own small business. How how often do you think that church planners this becomes a thing? That they just want to uh-huh. gosh, man. I think I think um I don't think it starts that way for most of them. Maybe I could see a church planner who's breaking off from a big church disgruntled and he's going to take a bunch of people with him. But if you're going out there literally to reach like the urban community, like refuge long beach, I, I just don't think you can have the mindset of I I'm just doing this so I can get myself a good steady paycheck. I just, it's, yeah. it's not worth it. Like there's a lot well, easier ways to do that that way yeah. necessarily. But, you know, I mean, you can, I mean, I, you know, I think we were at a place where I could have been comfortable if I hadn't hired on another guy at Refuge Long Beach. I could, that could have been a sweet little paycheck. Um, but, you know, it's not, it's, it's not what I do. It's not my personal core value. My personal, and I write about it in Church Zero is you, you put someone else on to do more work. You know what I mean? You don't just sit there and, and use a church to get high on the hog. I've always done some other job so that I'm freed up to let the gospel go faster. I, I wish that that was something that was, was kind of talked about more and maybe cause it's a blessing as much as it seems like, Oh man, to have a full paycheck from a church is a blessing. Um, it, it really, it really isn't as much as you would think you have so much freedom by being bivocational that, uh, it, it, and you know, and, and, raising up other team members to share the load. I wouldn't do ministry any other way personally, Mm. but, uh, but again, that's values. And so here's, here's the deal. Um, how do you, how do you become a values driven leader? I think one of the things that's really important is to know what your values are. You have to know what they are. So Pete said, Hey, really the value is an income stream for the owner. Make sure, guys, that that's not your value. Even if it's like, you know, the, the, what's the word? The stealth value. You know, it's the one that no one sees. It's, it's kind of there. You don't talk about it. It's, it's, it's undercover. Really, you're just thinking, man, I really just want a paycheck so I can not have to go to such and such company and make that commute every day. I can't wait till this can support me. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. But I think most people would even, they would say it even better than that. Because you would always couch it in, I can reach more people if I don't yeah. have to go take that secular job. Yeah. And then, exactly. And then what do they do? Once they get full time, they just sit in an office all day. 
reading theology books or well, hanging out with Christians or yeah, going out and having meetings with other pastors. Like that's not going to reach the lost people around you. I find often when people talk about being set apart to do the work of the ministry, they really are just set apart from everyone else that they could reach. And so, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying, look, there's nothing wrong with wanting a paycheck and wanting to be set apart, but you, you need to be set apart to actually do the work of the ministry. Read about what Paul did. Get around people. And so here's the deal. Um, going back to that, how do you become that? You got to know what your values are. And so what I would say, guys, is, you know, read other people's values. Talk to other church planners. Find out what their values are. So like for me, and, and it would be good to play this maybe once upon a time, my swan song to Refuge Long Beach was not, hey guys, this is going to be one of my last Sundays here. Um, Cause I'll still go a couple times a year, but, um, but really the last time I was preaching, that was me laying down. Hey, you know, kind of like Paul at the docks of Ephesus. Well, Paul didn't just talk about himself. Hey, it's been great. Let me tell you the history. And then I did this. It wasn't about Paul. What Paul does, he tells him, hey, the grace of God, you know, this is the gospel. And boom, boom, and he relays down all of the values. And then he tells him, hey, wolves are going to come in. It's about them. And it's about the gospel. And so what I did when I went in the pulpit was I just spoke to him about, hey, guys, um, this is what this church is about. And I literally went through, remember those maxims that we did? I think we did that. Uh, was that a podcast beat? I don't I can't remember. <clears throat> I don't know. It depends on which maxims you're talking about. Remember how I talked about the maxims that I, you know, things like uh, God's a lot more concerned about you than anything you can do for him. So that would be like one of our values. We don't, you know, when our people are like, hey, I got to take a break or I got to, we don't get mad. We're like, hey, cool. Thanks for telling us. Thanks for your service. Um, no problem. We're not mad at all. We need you to take a break when when you're feeling burnt See, out or and, tired. And that's why you're a pastor, because I would probably go to Redline right about there. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, you know, things like um, this church exists for the people outside of it. You know, we're not here for ourselves. And we usually have like other things that go around, you know, what would the early church do? Those are our core values, which is our, the, the, you know, that's the phrase we use, but the core value that comes from is only three things need to happen. Um, we need to hear from God. God needs to hear from us. And we need to hear from each other. Those three things. If we do that, that's a church service. So that'd be a core value. That's the, the brief explanation of it. Um, so those are our core values and those keep us on task. And so first, you know, you got to know, like when I planted pillar, it was the five pillars of pillar. When we plant a refuge Long Beach, um, I can't remember what I called them. I wasn't as clever then. I don't think I alliterated them. But they were different, again, because I was in a different uh, place. If I added to refuge Long Beach, I would add the value of our leadership reflects our community. So no joke. I would literally, and I realized this halfway through, we need Hispanic leadership, we need white leadership, and we need African-American leadership on our team. And um, you know, it, it may seem seem weird, but, you know, um, to, to, to be almost like affirmative action about it. But the reality is, uh, why wouldn't your leadership team look like your community? And if you can't find an African-American leader, you go reach African-Americans and you disciple them into leaders. And that that's what Paul did. And later on, when you see Paul jamming around in Acts 20, verse 4, he's got eight people 
And they're broken up into teams of two by their ethnicity, right? He literally spells out where they're from and what region they're from. And so Paul's being strategic about who he's got on his team. So all this to say, um, you go away and you, you work these out. What are the things I want people, you know, what are my, and the way that you determine that is what do I want us to look like in five years? What do I want us to look like in 10 years? How do we get there? Well, how we're going to get there is by holding to these things, these values, right? If we hold to these values, we'll get there. And you ask the Lord, say, Lord, give me, give me the values of what I need. So if you look at like Joshua chapter one, right? God calls Joshua and he tells him, I need you to take this ground and you'll take it if you hold to these values. What are the values? The values are everything I've commanded you. You know, everything I've told you, just hold to those and you will be successful. You will get there. You will conquer from here down to the sea. And he just does all that stuff. So, um, you know, your values, you need to know them. Secondly, your team needs to know them. So once you get away with a notebook and a pencil and you've come up with your values, then you get away on on a, a half day retreat or a day retreat or maybe an overnight retreat with your team. And you break them down and you, you come up with clever, um, quotable, tweetable, memorable uh, phrases like what I shared with you earlier. Um, things like, what would the early church do? You know, um, and some of them that came up this week were no perfect people allowed. Um, John Burke, one of our guests, he, he made that up and other people have stolen those. It's perfectly okay to steal other people's values. And then what you do is every time you meet with your leaders or you face a problem, you ask your team, once you've sorted them out and you've written them out, and you should, you should never have more than about six, according to uh, Will Mancini, because it's hard for people to memorize more than six. That's why we have 11 or 12 at Refuge Long Beach. <laughs> like it. So uh, anyways, but what, what you do is you um, – you know, you, you constantly seed them in. You mention them on Sundays. You mention them in your sermon. You don't go through all of them, but you're constantly mentioning them in your announcements. You're saying during your announcements, hey, guys, we believe here that boom, boom, boom. And you say them, you know, you say one of them, and then you unpack why you're going to do what you're going to do. We're going to do this because we believe boom, boom, boom. And you you just keep it in front of people. And then when you when you have a leaders meeting, you go through them. When you're encountering a problem, you go through them. You say to your team, hey, guys, you know, let's celebrate what we did. This is all from the Multiply training. They, they have an example of a guy who's a fantastic values-driven leader. And then once they get into it, he goes, hey, guys, let's just take a minute after now we've celebrated um, some of our successes. Let's go back to our values. And uh, what are our values again? And they all say them back, you know. they Okay, you know. So like in Nam. Um, because they deal with a lot of kingdom resources, they say accomplishing more with less. So we try to maximize those kingdom resources into what we can do. And then um, after that, you know, he, uh, he says, well, here's the problem. How do we tackle this problem while staying true to our core values? Mm. And if you can do that, you become a values-driven leader. And what I, what I really was meaning to get to and never did was your values will create your church's culture. 
more than anything else. What you value creates the culture. So you can have your values on a piece of paper and that's good. You know how like people write down their their core values and it gets on a piece of paper and no one ever reads it again. You can do that. Or you can live these out. And the the reason why it's important to um, be speaking about your core values and applying it to everything you do, including the problems, including your outreaches, including your mission, uh, including the way you do things during the week when you meet together or when you're not together is because you're creating a culture and people will feel what they don't know when they walk in. They won't know your core values. Lost people won't know them, but they will feel them. They will feel the grace of God in operation. They will feel the presence of God in operation. That's one of our core values is the presence of God. Um, We can't manipulate it. We can't reproduce. It's the one thing you can't reproduce in church is God's presence. So these are all things we want people to feel our core values. And they can only feel them if we're actually living them and staying true to them. Otherwise, the church gets ripped away from its core values and it becomes this runaway church. It becomes a nightmare. It becomes a church you want to leave and plant out from <laughs> eventually because it's not been true to its mission. Mm. Sorry I talked so much this episode. Yeah, I kind of used to that with you. So it's all right. it's all it happens sometimes. It does. It does. Okay, well, cool, guys. Um, thanks for joining us today. I think we got one more commercial, don't we? You know what? Um, sometimes we do have another commercial, especially if you're running a church and you really struggle with payroll, insurance, tithe, tax deductions, contributions website design you know Peyton I just sometimes wish that uh, there was a place where church planners could go that everybody knew their name and it was mm. made church really simple have you ever heard of anybody like that you know Pete making your way in the world today takes everything you've got and um, if only there was someone who could take the weight of all your troubles that sure would help a lot wouldn't you like to get away to a place that could simplify your church? I really would. You know, I'll, they're always glad you came. Isn't there a place called Simplify Church? Yeah, and uh, everybody knows their name. It's SimplifyChurch.com. He's and, not going to like that one, is he? And they do all <laughs> of that stuff for us, right? They do. They do. And SimplifyChurch.com is a place that will handle just let me let me tell you a quick little story here this week I got a I got a, a form from the tax you know from the tax people you know the IRS and they said hey you got to do this there was a form that if you don't do you lose your IRS status I swear to you I had no idea what it was so I just sent an email within a half an hour I get a response back and they go hey no problem here's what you do they send me the form I need to fill out, which the IRS told me. They just send me like a little postcard. You got to fill this out. Didn't know what it was. They send me back a PDF that I can change. And then they send me an email that has everything I put in each box. And then they go, when you're done, send that back to us. Just fill it in for us. Put all, all your, your um, information and we'll take care of it. 
Boom, done. Why would you, why would you not sign up for that? I had no clue what this stuff was. I almost and find probably it like me. I almost find it hard to believe that there was an IRS form that you didn't know about. <laughs> I choose not to know about these things. It has to do with math and numbers. Are and you, you know not? I'm a non-math pastor. Are you not an IRS pastor? I am not an IRS pastor, and that's just one of the things. Dude, they dude, do. Justin on Sunday in Sunday's uh, sermon. He busted out the line, are you not a math pastor to somebody? <laughs> I'm like, Do you look at you, grin and wink? I'm the only one laughing in the audience, so I can tell no one else there listens to that podcast. That is awesome. Yeah. Simplified Church for everyone who's not a math pastor. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today. You have been on the Church Planner Podcast with Peyton and Pete, and we want to thank you for giving us your time, for listening And uh, remember, don't go all Alaska on Pete. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Dustin, don't steal my Pete anymore. I love it. Remember, if you want to reach ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music